0: Hello fellow nerds. Check out our network site nerdsloth.com. You can also connect with us on social media like the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. If you like what you hear,
1: look for Nerdsloth on Patreon and consider donating to help us continue delivering quality shows straight to your ears. If you'd like to help the shows out for free, head over to iTunes and write a heartfelt review. I mean it, make me cry happy tears. But seriously though, anything you can do really helps us out and we love you for it.
0: Victor Dandridge, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm good, Dirk Manning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Hey, did you hear that uh, Adrian has issues? Yo, he's got a lot of issues. That is what I've heard. I've heard that his issues are amazing as they are numerous. Wide, yes, numerous, far-reaching. Far-reaching. He has a plethora of issues. Oh, snap, a multitude. A multitude, a spectrum of issues. A myriad of issues? You're is reaching you're deep. But, you know, listen, <laughs> we could talk about Adrian's issues all day. True. But the fact of the matter is, Adrian has issues. Right. And now. Everyone out there, thanks to you, Victor Dandridge. To me? What about to you, Dirk Manning? Now everyone else can experience Adrian's issues. Isn't that great? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, you know, why don't we quit talking and then people can experience Adrian and his issues because I've heard that Adrian has has issues. He does have issues. So, Dirk Manning, you're going to get off this? I think I will, Victor Dandridge. Let's allow people to get to Adrian. Let's talk to Adrian then. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Today's guest is a comic book writer based out of New England, and he has a really cool comic book out called Croak through Alternate Comics. And today's show, we're going to get into the book itself and the inspiration behind it because it's actually a really fun, fascinating story. So uh, without further ado, please welcome my guest, uh, Cody Andrew Sousa. Cody, how's it going, man? Pretty good, man. You? I'm doing good. Thanks. I appreciate you asking. So, let's get right into it. I read the first two issues of Croak, and it is insanely intense. Really enjoying it so far. So, first things first, give a little bit of a synopsis as to what Croak is all about.
1: Uh, three friends, Aubrey, Nick, and Tim, go off for like a nice little weekend camping trip into the woods until a lot of bad stuff happens. I don't want to spoil too much. But basically, uh, their whole nightmares come to life type of thing. I really want to do like a really old school, like 1980s type of horror flick in the woods, but set in 2016 instead.
0: What I really dug about it is it kind of played up a lot of not even classic horror elements, but it, it played on a lot of really cool tropes. And I kind of thought I had an idea as what would happen until um, it actually happened. And I realized, OK, what the hell? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you. That was actually I, I wanted to really play with the tropes. You can do like a movie, you can do a book, you can do a show or anything like that, horror-related, where you can do all the tropes, but you can do something different with it. It doesn't have to be the same thing every single time.
0: Right, and I think that really does play out. So, what was the inspiration behind creating a story? Um, To be honest, the original,
1: original thing, I actually completely forgot about this before, but uh, Slenderman. I never really played the game. I played it like once. But the main thing was, I wanted to do like a little comedy parody video of Slenderman back in the day with a couple buddies of mine. And there was this one scene that uh, it's actually featured in Croak number two, involves one of the characters, they have a camera and they, you know, know, they panel over and you see the creature in the woods and stuff like that. And I really wanted to do something like that. And that, I just kind of took that and I morphed it into Croak because I really, I got sick and tired of how every horror movie nowadays is the exact same thing.
0: We've been seeing some really cool things happen with the horror genre, but yeah, I think the standard stuff—it's it, kind of got a little tired.
1: Exactly. So I was like, I want to make a short film that completely backfired on me. I like, I had a uh, my cinematographer bailed out of me like three, four days before filming. So I spent all this money, it was getting it casted and everything like that, and we we're about to film. And then he bails out, and it's just like, so I never got to actually make the film. And then I decided, you know what, I love comics. I've always wanted to make a comic book. I've been trying to make one for years. So Croak ended up becoming my first ever comic.
0: That's funny you should say that, because I was reading it earlier today, and I'm thinking to myself, the way that the script is sort of laid out, like, it read almost like a screenplay. Like, it didn't read, like, a traditional comic. And it's actually funny you should say that, so I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one who actually thought of that, because, well, that was the intent. Yes. (laughs) But that's something I've noticed that's happening a lot now, and I know there are different schools of thoughts behind it and uh, different viewpoints, but I like the idea of, you know, how a lot of comics are actually being, not even formatted in the case of, like, let's say selling it as a property, but just even just how they're told where they're kind of, like, formatted and written almost like a film, and I think that works in a lot of ways because I always thought about it. Why can't comic books be more cinematic?
1: Yeah, and that's one thing, like, i am I 100% agree with you on that. And I actually use a uh, screenplay software. That's what I use to write my scripts. Because to me, it just it makes the most sense. Because film and comics are so similar to one another. Because you can compare a comic to a, a novel. And yes, they're similar in that too. They're like right smack dab in the middle. But visually, you get to see things. You know what I mean? Right. So it's just when I actually write my scripts, I write them in a screenplay influence format type of thing. So if you like see a screenplay and if you were to see one of my scripts, they look identical. Instead of like saying exterior scene, I just say panel one, panel two. But everything else is relatively the same.
0: I was talking to some people lately about formatting comics and how, you know, it could be very tricky when doing a script, you know, cause obviously you still have to write in a certain way that your artist can draw it effectively. So were there any sort of like challenges in how like, let's say your art team approached it or did they find it pretty easy to pick up? Um, it was pretty
1: easy. I, cause the way I do it is like, I kind of assumed I'm like, I'm a little wary that they might not understand it. So if I, I would do like a little front page and I type up like what's one thing, like a little key type thing. So that way they can understand what means what and they can always go back to it if they like, oh, wait, what's this one thing mean? They can always go back to the first page and then check it out.
0: But I actually really appreciate this much more because it seems like obviously you have an interest in the film and how, like I said, as far as that worked out, because originally you said it was going to be a a short movie. So um, that's actually really cool. And I like that approach a lot.
1: Thank you. I I mean, like one of my goals is to become a film director as well. Awesome. Yeah, it's like I want to do comics, novels, film. I want to just do all that stuff. That's what I've always wanted to do, so I figured, hey, why not go for it?
0: One of my recent guests, he is a film producer, but uh, he actually was an editor on a comic, which I think originally was going to be a screenplay, but it's funny. And talking to him and sort of the story of how the comic came to be, it's not too much different from how you know, you would do a movie because obviously it's like, OK, even though you're not physically scouting locations, you know, obviously you still have to spread it out and you have to obviously operate, you know, a movie crew, much like you were a comic, especially if you're kind of spearheading the whole thing. So, you know, I, and I think it's cool, at least that way, the comic book and the movie world will sort of blend. And I think that actually will help out a lot. Yeah. Now, the characters, are they based off real life or are these just people that came up for the story?
1: I wanted them to feel real. Like, I wanted them to feel like, you know, anybody's friend that you have in high school. Any, I just wanted them to feel very realistic in terms of dialogue and just how they acted. So I just kind of, I really just wanted that. They weren't really based off anyone. I just wanted to make just real people. So I just, whatever popped up in my head, I just wrote it down.
0: You know, you tend to sort of write what you know. And while, you know, a lot of people will write from a case of people being friends, it's like, okay, they had the thing where... They almost have their own language. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this, this kind of seems like this came from someplace. <laughs> like, um, when
1: I was writing it, I'm like, what's this character like? And it just immediately, like, all right, this guy's going to say specifically words like this. This person's going to talk like this. But they're all going to have that, like, fluid, like, they've known each other for a long time. They have this quick banter. Because when you talk to your friends, you you know how to talk to your friends. You don't just, like sit there, take it in, then think about it. You <laughs> immediately can say something.
0: Unless you get burned really bad, then it takes you a minute to process it where it's like, exactly. wait, did I just get made fun of? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, gosh. See, I'm trying not to spoil it, but there's one line in particular. Um... You can spoil <laughs> but... it. Okay. Um, The line about the dick.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the one that was popping in my head, too. I'm like, it's gonna be this line. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be this line.
0: <laughs> That was one of my favorite bits because I'm like I'm laughing hysterically, and that's something I hate about horror movies is it's easy when it starts off where everybody's already kind of in the midst of whatever the hell you know they're they're interacting with. But you know that thing in horror movies where like things are just going too well. Yes. <laughs> in, like the main reason because
1: originally um, the short film version of Croak started off with them like they just got into the woods. There's no like there wasn't as much quick banter there was barely any of it so when i got to do the comic i'm like oh cool i get to do a little bit more like before that like them driving over to the woods them getting out of the car i want to show them so that way you know you have about five six pages where the reader gets to know the characters and be like all right this person's like this this one's like this this one's like that that way i don't have to really worry about that as much throughout the rest of the
0: series because something I've really noticed with a lot of horror movies is that I wonder if it's the case, especially with a lot of new ones, where a lot of the characters are made to be unlikable, so that way you don't worry as much when horrible things start happening to them.
1: That bugs me in so many ways.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so I'm not the only one to pick that up. It's so annoying because I'm thinking to myself, okay, now, whether it be, you know a you know psychological thrill or even just like i said a a gory slasher where you know these horrible things are happening but in my head i'm already tuned out because i'm saying to myself well you know that guy was kind of a dick before (laughs) so you know i'm not really too worried that he's getting disemboweled but it's much more different where you have a character that you genuinely like exactly and you're really scared because it's like i don't want this guy or this girl to get killed and then when they do then shit gets crazy and that's when you're like nobody it's like basically like game of thrones but to condensed <laughs> version because you don't know who's gonna get killed so nobody is safe
1: like one of my biggest issues with horror films it's like i don't care about any of these characters I, you could die one of these characters could die right now and i will not be affected by it whatsoever exactly and that bugs me i'm like you and the thing that pisses me off the most is when they put like a dog in the movie i'm like oh you put a dog in the movie let me guess the dog's gonna die in like somewhere in, between, in the middle of act two. And then we're all going to be sad about it because that dog can get two minutes of screen time and make us feel worse of, than, than the than the other characters who are getting 40, 50 plus minutes,
0: <laughs> which is also kind of funny. Cause I feel like some directors probably do that on purpose saying to themselves like, Oh look, you don't care about these characters. And it's like, all right, let's see how heartless are you? You know, you'll put this dog in this movie. <laughs> it, it's
1: exactly. Like- it's like, it, 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 and to me, it's like, all right, either you're a very lazy writer or, just exactly what you just said it's either you it's like if you're a lazy writer and you're like alright I don't know how to make these characters more likable so we'll just put a dog in the movie people will get upset about, the, about that and they'll want to see them beat the bad guy
0: <laughs> which have you ever seen um what was the movie uh, The Kingsman yes when they're going through the whole training thing, you know, there's situations where I know that one person was supposedly dead, and you're like, "Oh, that that sucks," but it's like, "Okay, it's training. This is do or die." And then that scene where they they bring him into like the room, and he's like, "All right, you passed, but okay, take that gun and shoot this dog." And it's like, now you're pissed off, and I'm like, "Wait a minute! Someone just almost died before that didn't bother me, and this does." I'm like, "Way to play with my emotions, Hollywood." Exactly. I, I remember I remember
1: watching that scene in theaters. I'm like, "Oh my god! Please don't tell me they're actually going to kill the dog." <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, you find out. Then I was for pissed off and you find out, oh, you know, it's filled with blanks. So I'm like, oh, well, you know what? Screw you, Michael Caine. <laughs> you were Alfred. I believed in you. You helped Batman. Now you're. <laughs> yeah, that's something I noticed. And it's like, I know probably there's some directors who can do that, you know, very tongue in cheek and make it where you know it's played up to a point and i think as a sort of like a gotcha but then i realized there is sort of like a lot of imitators i've noticed where now it seems to be that everybody's kind of going for like that sort of that really quick cheap emotional connection as opposed to rounding out the characters because to me horror should be like any other genre where it's about the characters and not necessarily just the murder
1: exactly there's and that's what's been bothering me about horror movies for the past like Like, I'm 24, so since, like, the day I was born, so (laughs) 24 years, it's been bugging me because it's like, I don't care about any of these characters, you know? It's like, there's some horror movies out there that have these really cool concepts and everything, but I still don't care about those characters. You have yet to give me a reason to care about any of these characters or why I should care about them in this situation.
0: Just as, of course, in um, Croak, where the action ramps up, even then, it still flips it a little bit where it's still very much a character study.
1: Yes, that was like the, the whole purpose of Croak, was I wanted to show um, kind of reality to it. Like, what if these bad things actually happen to us? Like, w- what if we were thrown into the situation? Will we do the right thing? Will we do the will we make the right choice? That type of situation. Right. I, I really want to show that in this series and kind of show that it, I, I don't want to spoil too much. So I probably should stop talking.
0: so okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> now, is this going to be an ongoing or is this a mini mini uh, Miniseries. The next issue comes out. The final issue, I should say, comes out December 8th. As a first-time comic writer, what was that experience like, taking the story and then trying to get it picked up? Or were you then going to release it independently?
1: So I was looking at, like, everyone wants to get published by these big, big publishers and stuff like that. You know, that's like everyone's goal, because obviously more exposure that way. Right. But the way I'm looking at it was, I'm like, no one has any idea who I am. No one from any of these big companies, it's like it, t- to get into a big company, it's it, obviously it's going to be probably a bit harder because everyone's going to be submitting to them at the same time. And so I was looking at publishers and I saw Alterna and I'm like, you know, something about Alterna where they just kind of seem to know how to, even though they're a smaller company, but they knew how to like promote themselves. And you can tell that Peter knows what he's doing. Right. And so when I submitted, to, I got, I got about, I think, seven to 10 pages of Croak done. And I had Francesco, uh, the artist on Croak. He finished. He actually finished the whole first issue in about three and a half, four weeks. Oh wow! I submitted the first ten pages, I think, to Alterna, and then Peter emailed me back, and he's just like, "Hey, he's like, we'd like to pick up Croak." So it was, it was honestly the easiest so far, because I'm trying to submit some other things to other publishers, but Croak was the quickest response I got, and the least I had to really try on.
0: Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, you talk about the art and the colors, especially like it really just popped. And like I said, that's why I kept seeing that cover, you know, on social media going it's like, oh, that looks really cool. I got to read that. I got to read it. And then basically it's like, OK, now you really have to read this. <laughs>
1: well, thank you. Like the big goal was like I wanted a cover where it would like pop up on your phone, pop up on like when you saw it on your phone, you immediately look at it. <laughs> Like that was the goal. I was like, I just wanted something that you'd want to look at, where you'd look, you'd be like, what is this about? And we even did like the um, like if you get a physical copy, which right now you can only get it through my Etsy shop or if you see me at a con. But if you get the physical copy, it's a um, wraparound cover.
0: I'm a huge sucker for those.
1: <laughs> I'm like, I was like, you know what? I like wraparound covers. I never get to see wraparound covers, and I want more incentive for people to buy this book, so I'm gonna make it a wraparound <laughs> cover. <laughs> there you go. And they came out beautifully and you know it has a little thing where like um chris inadvertently did this theme with the color where each issue kind of progresses into a different color on the first cover of issue number one it's mainly blue but you have that little like pinkish type of color in there right and then in issue number two the cover is mainly pinkish and then you see black and if you see the cover of issue number three it's primarily just black
0: oh wow
1: so it's like it obviously if you set them up next to each other you'll notice it more but it was something that I just thought was really, really cool. And his colors are phenomenal. That's all I can say about his colors. It's just it, they're perfect.
0: As we often get into these debates of having physical comics versus digital, you know, you, you find that you know you do have to kind of. Do something a little bit extra and, and not overly so, but at least just to kind of like incentivize getting a physical book. And I think things like that where it's less gimmicky, but there's like a genuine progression. And even if you don't get the physical copy, you still appreciate, but it kind of like at least takes it to that next level.
1: Exactly. I'm like, this is my first book. I don't want to go in there playing it safe. I want to really do something different. I want to do something that I wish more common books did. And, you know, I'm not an avid, like, I don't I don't read a lot of digital comics. I especially didn't prior to getting Croke published through Alterna. But I'm like, you know, I got to see more, you know, you get to follow more creators. You get to see all these guys trying to, like, do the same thing you're trying to do. And it's always good to support one another. So I've been definitely getting more into digital books. But I really wanted to, like, I'm like, this is a digital book. And it's from people who, like, no one has any idea who I am. So I really just wanted to, like, give some more incentive and make sure that I gave it 150% on this book.
0: Right. And again that 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 works out well in your favor. You said something earlier that I, I really want to touch on and I think is interesting is you know, you said you you want to make this book cuz you weren't you found that you weren't getting it from other places. And it's something I actually thought about even when doing, let's say, this show or other things I've written where it's like, okay, I'm sitting down. What do I want to listen to or what do I want to read? And that's something that it feels very selfish. But I guess as a creator, you kind of have to have a little bit of that ego.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you you need to. Because that's what's going to motivate you. That's what's going to push you. That's what's going to make you not second guess it. You need a bit of an ego so you don't second guess yourself every five seconds. And you're going to do it no matter what. You're going to second guess yourself at some point. But having that ego really helps you kind of overcome that.
0: Shoot. It's like, say for your first book, I mean, not bad at all. Thank you very much. Working on
1: another book, but you know, Peter gave us this opportunity and the dude knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. I did is very smart. Like, and I don't want to say that just because, you know, like, Oh, he picked my book, but I've submitted something else to them. And he said, no, but he gives you advice. So even if he says, even if like alternative denies it saying, Hey, we're not going to publish this he gives you this advice on like where to go with the book, like what you should do with it. So that way it's better for you as a creator in way you can like make money and stuff like that. He is very smart.
0: I've noticed this kind of comes up a lot on my shows recently. And this is something that as we're approaching the next year something that I really like stressing. And I like hearing that comic books, yes, they're an industry, they're a business, but at the same time, you know, and as a good friend often reminds me is that it's also a community and you know let's be real like are you gonna like everybody's comic not necessarily but you do respect the process and you do try to appreciate you know people taking a time out to create the things that they do but i also like the idea that even if let's say for instance like i said the one you submitted it didn't work out or you know maybe that wasn't the right pick for them but it's like look let's not shoot it down let's see maybe get advice to where you know you can work things out and maybe you can approach somebody else with it. Because like I said, if, let's say, Alterna maybe doesn't pick up this particular book, you know, maybe, you know, hone it a little bit differently so then, you know, you can attract somebody else with it.
1: Exactly. Like, that's 100%.
0: And, and that's how you kind of keep an industry going as opposed to just basically being like, no, you suck, get out, next. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> just like, you know, it's like the old cartoons where it's literally just a boot kicking you out of the building. <laughs>
1: and, and to me, that's like, I'm I'm very happy, Croke up, picked up through Alterna. i've had a couple of people actually say like oh you should try and like maybe afterwards get croak published by someone else i'm like no i want croak published under Alterna because Alterna not only gave us that opportunity but they know what they're doing with croak croak actually became Alterna's number one single issue of
0: the year Oh, congratulations, man! Like, I didn't know that. Most,
1: thank you very much. I when he, when I found that out, I freaked the hell out of my room. I was like, <laughs> "Holy, sh- am I allowed to curse on this?"
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> I was like, "Oh, holy shit! Oh, What the fuck?" And I'm freaking out. And I'm going and to, go to my girlfriend. I'm like, "Crooks number one." And I'm and I'm sitting here like, "Oh man, I hope so. I hope like ten people bought it at least." Like I'm just like you know, at least if one person buys it, I'm gonna be happy Exactly. You know, I mean, it might be my mom, but like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Like, as long as one person buys it, I'm going to be happy. And to find out that it was, you know, their number one selling single issue of the year so far. It's it just to me, that was incredible. And it just kind of gave me that, you know, it gives you like that confidence where it's like, OK, you didn't make the like the wrong choice. You're doing it right. That kind of thing.
0: That's crazy because, you know, even like, let's say with, you know, I'll put it to podcasting because obviously that's where I started. Now, in a way, it was almost easier at the start because you're saying to yourself, okay no one's really listening to this at this point so it's like there isn't much in the way of an expectation other than you know other where you want to go but then now when people start paying attention you're kind of like well oh shit so it's like okay now now you know shit got real so does that kind of like go through your mind at all it's like okay now that you got this book that's very successful do you every so often go to yourself it's like okay now what
1: Yes, every day. <laughs> every day. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm working on other books. You know, I've spent like every penny that I have working on these books. And, you know, I'm, and I'm like, okay, I gotta make sure whatever I do now is just, it, it's better than what I did before. And it, that's hard. That's hard to do because you don't really know. You, you, like, you yourself don't know what's better or what's worse. Cause you know, it's, it's all subjective. Right. But like every day I'm just like, okay, I got, I'm like, I'm working on so many things. I haven't even signed up for cons for next, next year yet because I'm like, I have so many things on my plate that I want to make sure I have the time to do them so I can make sure that, you know, it's, I can beat those expectations and whether somebody hated croak or whether somebody loved it, I really just want to exceed those exact, no matter how, how, how low they set the bar, or how high they set the bar. I really want to see that, and I want to see my own expectations. If that makes sense,
0: that's exactly it. Yeah. Anything I know about creative people is there is a lot of self doubt, and not even like a crippling way. I mean, there's some no, don't. I'm sorry, there is that too sometimes. Because some days it sucks.
1: Yes. Oh my god. Because <laughs> some
0: days you just can't get it together, but yeah, at the same time you think to yourself. There's a reason why I'm doing this, you know. There's a reason why I'm taking the time, effort, money, and you know, when you realize that you're putting so much work in, it's like, look, you can't really half-ass it. You gotta, you gotta go all in.
1: Exactly. It's like, like I mean, you're spending all this money. You're, you're, you're doing like you're spending this money to get somebody to draw the book for you. You spend this money to get someone color the book for you. You're spending this money to someone letter the book for you. Why wouldn't you give it your all? You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't you put all your effort into it?
0: I think that's what's kind of cool about indie books in that regard. And not that, you know, like, oh, my God, that sounds so much like a, you know, major suck. <laughs> no, far from it. But I just mean it turns of like, from an indie standpoint, because, you know, like, it's not like back in the day where there were only, like, maybe two, three companies to market to. But now there's so many and, you know, a lot of people are self-publishing. So it's like, in a way, it's great. But at the same time, there's also, like, even less excuse as to why, you know, why not try it?
1: Exactly. It's like, today's market is entirely different than it was back in the day. You know, as I was writing, and you, before I croak up published, I still do it though, but I'd go to cons, every con I could, you know, attend, whether it was New York Comic Con, Boston Comic Con, Grand State Con, any con I could go to. And if there was a creator there that I knew, or, I, you know, I've read their stuff and I've liked, I would just, I'd go up to them, and I'd ask them for their advice. And they're, and they all say the same thing. You know, write every day, and no matter what, Today's market is entirely different from when they started because, like you said, there was like back before there was only like these two, three big companies. But now there's so many publishers and now there's the option to self-publish. And there's people out there who are able to make a living off of self-publishing, which is incredibly impressive.
0: There's very little lines left and that's scary, but at the same time, insanely liberating.
1: You want people to be reading your stuff. You want people to be looking at what you're doing. But the thing is, if like if all else fails, you can just do it yourself, and I'm a big supporter of that, I'm a big supporter of doing it yourself, you know, that whole motto, whatever it is, but we have more opportunity now than we ever did years ago. So as a creator, it's like, like I, I'm on Twitter all the time now, Instagram all the time now. It's self-promotion for your book, for yourself, and it's like, why don't you take advantage of that? Social media is a gift to us now. It's like, can it be annoying? Yes, definitely. Hell yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, it's, you know, it's free marketing. It's free promotion. It, and to me, it's like if you're a creator and you're not taking advantage of that, then you can't really complain if nobody's reading your stuff.
0: Even before we got together, you know, I heard the name and I heard the book. And obviously it's like, how would I have known that unless people were out there, you know, retweeting or, you know, posting on Facebook and things like that. So, again, it does work.
1: Exactly. And here's another like little shout out to Peter. But he... Like, he encourages all anyone who's under the Alterna, you know, Alterna brand type thing. If you have a book under them, he 100% encourages and just says, talk about yourself on social media. Do stuff to get people to read your books. And he gives all these suggestions on what to do. And it's like, this guy's telling you what to do. If you're not taking his his advice, like, you can't complain. Right. Because it's like, you're being told what to do. And if you're not doing it, that's your own fault. Like, if it was, like, five years ago, I was a super shy, chubby kid, I probably wouldn't have done it. Like, I probably wouldn't be on social media all the time. And some days, I hate being on social media because it's like, oh, man, I really don't want to deal with this today. But, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just going to tweet about Croak. You know, I have to do it. I have to do something.
0: Granted, I personally feel that... I'm just it's it's more of a matter of vindication for me cuz I was probably would be on social networking already but it's like hey at least not this way you know what I I wasn't wasting time I was building a fan base. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's like yes, do I like to scroll through Facebook sometimes? Yes, do I like to look go on Twitter a lot? Sometimes I don't feel like posting, but it's like, you know, if you post, it, at least you're like, yeah, see, it's okay. I can I can be on Twitter for an hour or whatever. I posted that one thing.
0: Look at that. There's like five likes on that. Good for me. Right? <laughs> There's these little things that you do, like you start patting yourself on the back, like you exactly. feel like a winner. But you know what? It's small victories. <laughs> so were there movies that directly or like horror stories that directly influenced Croak? Each issue was kind of different. You know, I didn't want to like copy any horror film because
1: I know, like I said, a lot of them are very copy and paste, very similar but I want to make sure I didn't 100% duplicate anything. But ones that kind of, like, really stood out, that really helped with
0: the vibe of Croak, I guess. Uh, evil Dead. I could definitely see that. And, of course, you say Evil Dead. I'm like, all right, sold. <laughs> <laughs> um, cabin in the Woods. That was another good one. But, God, that ending. Like, but, granted, that's a whole other podcast right there. Yeah. Oh, d- yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. Like, and, and to,
1: the reason I say Cabin in the Woods, not because I, I like I like I watch. I'm like, yeah, that was OK. I mean, the ending sucked, but, the, you know, but I was just like, that was OK. But um it was kind of just like I'm like, that was a missed opportunity, in my opinion, to really do a parody of the of the genre. I'm like, it was a cool idea. Again, it's a cool idea, but I, I didn't care about any of these characters. It's that whole thing we talked about earlier. Right. John Carpenter films definitely. I'm a big John Carpenter fan.
0: All right, see, we're gonna be good friends then. Yeah, because <laughs> um, my dad, grew, um, you know, grew up in a lot of John Carpenter, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And you know what though? I don't know if I would rather shake that man or make him like pay for like therapy because he still owes me mental anguish over the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, the thing is insane. And you know what? That movie was what before I was born. I was what eighty two, I think eighty one. Yeah, I believe it was nineteen eighty two. And it still just wrecks me. Like, I don't get it how, like, after all these years, like, I've seen this movie plenty of times. I know how this works. I'm good. Until I watch it, I'm like, oh, God, no, help me.
1: (laughs) I actually watched it about three weeks ago. Like, I have my, my girlfriend had never seen it, her friend had never seen it, and a buddy of mine had never seen it. So it's like, all right, we're all going to watch the thing. And <laughs> they have watching it, and they're like, what the shit? Like, what the fuck is going on?
0: Like, did you stand in, like, the corner of the room, almost like a creep, like you're covering your face, trying to hide the laughter? Because you're like, they're never going to figure this out. We, le-
1: we left the lights on, so, you know, that helped.
0: Oh, see, I would have just totally been like, you know what? Lights off, you know, total enclosed <laughs> space, make them feel as claustrophobic as they did in the movie.
1: It was that the movie is so freaky. But you know, John Carpenter, I'm a big, big, big fan. So that definitely had some influence on you know, Crook Number Three specifically in terms of. I really just I, I don't want to spoil Crook Number Three. I really don't want to spoil Crook Number Three, but it, it's hard not to because the I want you to do this very slow build in that final issue. To the to this this big final moment that happens. And I'm not going to lie. It might not leave. Ah, oh, damn it. It's hard to say without spoiling it. But I'll just say there's a bit of a cliffhanger. I really want to build a suspense leading up to that. And visually, I got a lot of visual shots from like old school John Carpenter movies. Whether it's like, you know, Starman, The Fog, stuff like, you know, like a bunch of old school Spielberg as well. I'm a big Spielberg fan. But I really want to. Like these, the visuals and stuff that I had written down in the script that Francesco drew were just, wait till you see the colors. because The colors are just, oh man. The, the the final product, I got the pages actually um, a couple weeks ago and I got the final lettered pages uh, last week. And I can tell you right now that the book, I'm 100% happy with it. It looks incredible and I'm so excited for everyone to like read it and just kind of get some feedback on it.
0: Very cool. Like, I mean, I don't know. if This is too early to say, but are there any plans to then release it as like a like a trade, maybe as a collection?
1: Yes, we're doing a trade. We're doing a Kickstarter for the trade next year, at some point next year. So I'll be posting a lot about that as once it's like you know all said and done. But I didn't want. I don't want to do like a trade. Like, and you know, I don't want to do the standard trade. You know, where like you know, you just have the three issues in the book and that's it. I really want to add some extra stuff in there because I love when you know, graphic novels or trade collections, they just have, like, that extra stuff where you get to see the behind-the-scenes, you get to see all this extra stuff going on, like, what were the cover options, like, character designs, I love all that stuff.
0: Yeah, that's gonna be really cool, and I love that a lot of companies are now taking advantage of that. And, you know, it may just be st- strictly from a marketing aspect, but if I know anything about comic book readers, you know, we always like looking at that extra stuff, and even, like, character designs, and, you know, like, the, the sketch pages and things like that. Exactly. And it's like, you know, in, in, it's also promotion for the art. Like, Francesco worked hard
1: in this book. His stuff is, his, his work is incredible. We're actually working on another project together, actually two projects together, I should say. But, you know, his, it's, it's just, it shows that what, what it looks like. You know, I want to show the pencil pages, the ink pages, cause it's, it's promotion for those guys too. Like, yes, I own the rights to Croak and all that, but these guys are creators as well. And, and they're, they're, they're awesome and it's promoting them too so that's always a a bonus in my opinion we're all like i think we mentioned that earlier like you know as creators should be working together to help like build each other up not it's not a competition or anything like that
0: you know, I can't even say it myself, and I know it sounds like we say it a lot, but again, that's a message I'm just going to keep repeating over and over again because, again, talking about social media, sometimes, you know, you hear stuff and you see sometimes how things go, and it's unfortunate because, you know, comics really should be the end result, and I understand not everybody's going to necessarily hang out at each other's house and eat pizza and play Xbox, even though that would be really fun, but, you know, like, there's still the business aspect and, you know, there's still money involved, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all creating. In some ways, so it, it all works together.
1: Exactly, and it's like you know, it's it's not like a necessarily a you scratch my back, I scratch your back kind of thing. Right. It's the comic book industry. We, we want it to thrive. We, I don't think there's really anybody who's sitting there who's making comic books saying like, oh yeah, you know, I'd love to like work my day job while also doing comic books. I'm pretty sure you'd love to make enough money where you can quit your day job and do comic books full time. Right. Like you know what I mean? Like um, unless you're doing it as a hobby, then that's awesome too. Like hell yeah to that. But to me, it's like we, we want the industry to survive. We want it to do um, like incredible. We want it to just get better and better every single day. So that way, in 2018, 2019, 2020, the, you know the the industry's thriving. The good thing is we have a bunch of there's a bunch of comic book movies coming out, so that's obviously going to keep the business afloat. But we really just want we especially the indie creators. We really want these indie books to be bigger. And to me, it's like you know promote other indie books, even if it's You're not doing it. Just help each other out because we just want this industry to do well
0: right and that is like the perfect place to leave off on so hopefully and I'm not even just saying this because he's on a show I've read it it's awesome so please check out Croak. and um you know hopefully you'll have the same reaction I did because you're like what the shit like <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here like uh with the I guess future step kid next to me because he's like playing Minecraft as I'm reading Croak and I'm trying so hard not to like audibly yell and curse which is funny that I actually care for a change but and at the same time it's like he's thinking something's wrong I'm like no this book man (laughs) i I think i got the right reaction out of it so hopefully everybody supports it and you know support indie comics in general but you know we've talked about promotion a lot but you know i'd be remiss if i didn't let you let everybody know where they could find you your work online before we head out
1: um you can follow me on twitter at ymcast that's w-h-y-i-m-c-a-s you can also follow me on instagram at at ymcast as well croak number one and two are currently available on comiXology and physical copies are available on my Etsy shop I I believe it's Cody Andrew Sousa you can find it on my Instagram and social media pages so yep there's that and croak number three is available December 8th on comiXology as well as my Etsy shop so definitely check it out and check out the series and thank you so much for having me on the show dude
0: and no, thank you. And it sounds very cheesy to say, but yet I have no show without my guests. And also just shout out to, of course, your creative team. And shout out to Peter Cometti. And like I said, I mean, being on social media, like the, the Alternate team and everybody involved, you know, it, it's a it's a marketing workhorse. And that can't be easy. So,
1: yes, <laughs> it's like I'm doing giveaways every week. I'm actually doing a giveaway every Wednesday. So if you if it's Wednesday, go to my Twitter and you'll see a giveaway there. All you have to do is retweet the tweet. And you automatically enter into the giveaway. It's just, I'm giving away free comics, free prints, free postcards, all that stuff. I do it every single week. So,
0: yeah. (laughs) Awesome, man. (laughs) And I hope you all check that out, too. And uh, that'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues. And we will see you next issue.
1: Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please be sure to visit adrianhasissues.com to stream or download our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at Adrian Has Issues, on Instagram at Adrian Has Issues Pod, and follow us on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the Satchel Podcast app available on iOS and Android. Adrian Has Issues is a proud member of the Nerdsloth Network, home to such great podcasts as Nerds on Tap, Cinefreak Critique, and Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom. Visit them at nerdsloth.com.